Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast. Can't even recognize this place. Too many pieces of our past mistakes. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co-hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Hey, Liz. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Good. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I missed your face, and it's nice to see you. And I'm really excited for today's topic. So overall, it's a great day. Yeah. So speaking of today's topic, a quick intro for anyone who might be new to the podcast. Welcome to Inside Out Money. This is a personal finance podcast focused on redefining wealth from the inside out. Each week, I speak with a rotating set of co-hosts about a different financial topic to help you improve your financial mindset and tactics. Today, we have Liz from Liz Gets Loaded. That is a podcast go check it out. Also an Instagram account that I love and follow. In this week's episode, Liz and I are going to talk through specific things that we recommend you do to ensure you are closing out and maximizing your finances before the end of the calendar year. It's currently 2023. So these are things to do before the end of 2023. But if you're listening to this in the future, hello to all the future people, you could listen to this at the end of every year. We may make some references to certain dollar amounts that are 2023 limits, but all of this stuff is applicable. We've got about, you know, less than two months left in the year at this point. And this is your end of year reminders on all the stuff that you maybe need to do depending on your financial situation. Yeah. I think it's the most wonderful time of the year because you get to start planning for next year. You kind of get a fun blank slate. And then you also get to check all the boxes. You might be hitting some financial goals like, oh, I I meant to max out my IRA. Like, check, did it. Yep. And also this entire list, I mean, you can do it at any time. Like at any point of the year, it's a good idea to make sure that you're on track to like hit your 401k contribution goals or anything else. But it's nice to do it before the end of the year, make sure you didn't miss anything. Yeah. And I think there's some good momentum before Mm -hmm. the end of a big like, you know, it's kind of like how there's New Year's momentum on January 1st. Totally. I think when you're at the end of a calendar year, all of a sudden, all those things you didn't necessarily stay on top of throughout the year, you get a little bit of reminders and momentum on. And when you first said like, it's my favorite time, did you say it's your favorite time? I said it's the most wonderful time. That was a little Christmas joke. Well, that's why I was like, I thought you were about to go into how much you love the holidays. But I love that you're like, it's the most wonderful time of the year because of the end of year financial closeout. I, I mean, it can be two things. Yeah, it can be both. <laughs> so Merry Christmas slash Happy Hanukkah slash close out your financial. We should come up with a yeah. name for end of year financial holidays. Right. You get all those holidays. You get Kwanzaa. You get Thanksgiving. You get New Year's. You get yeah. um, the change of daylight saving time. You get like there's just a lot of good stuff that happens in Q4. Yeah, very true. Okay. So we should start on one of, I was going to say one of your favorite topics, but I was thinking of HSAs. That might be your favorite. Oh, it is. We'll get to that. Okay. So right off the bat, we already mentioned it. Checking out your 401k. So looking at, there's there's a couple things that you might want to look at when it comes to your 401k. The thing that comes to mind for me is maxing out and also making sure you're maximizing your match. So if your goal was to contribute the maximum that you can contribute, which for this year, is it 22.5? 
It's 22.5. And cl- to be clear, that's the IRS maximum. So it has nothing to do with where you work. If you live right. in the United States, you are allowed to contribute up to 22,500 in the calendar year 2023. Again, if you're listening to right. this in the future, Google next the amount. Year. Yeah, next year it's 20, it just goes up by $500. But if your goal was to contribute the maximum, so 22,500, one, it makes sense to look at your paycheck and make sure that you're on track to do that. And then also if you changed jobs this year, remember that it's total for the year. So if you contributed at a job in the first half of the year, you have to manually make sure that you don't go over the 22,500 at your new job. If you've been at the same job all year, most systems, like most payroll systems won't let you go over the maximum. It'll it'll cut you off automatically. Yeah. And then I will say though, a lot of companies will not in any way help you manage to that. IRS maximum. So I remember having a spreadsheet and being like, okay, well, I kind of did the math throughout the year, but my salary changed because I got a promotion or, Mm -hmm. you know, just my annual increase. And then I was like, okay, well, where am I at? And this about this time of year, I was always like, where am I at? Then I'm doing the math of like, well, how many paychecks are left? So do I need to, I need to move it from, you know, 8% to 9% or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And again, they'll kind of cut you off, but they won't top it up for you. So if you're, if you only ended up at 20,000 and you wanted to get to 22,5, you lost that extra 2,500 in terms of getting an extra money into your 401k and an extra deduction on your taxes also. Right, exactly. It's... It's it's a tr- it, it it's kind of a I don't know it's like landing the plane when you get towards the end mm-hmm. of the year like you said I definitely do that and go in and and figure out how much do I have left divided by the number of paychecks and then you know what's very annoying to me is that some 401k systems when you're choosing your election will let you choose a dollar amount and some will only let you choose a percentage and it would be so nice if all of them just let you say I want to do a dollar amount because then you could just divide the 0.25 over your Yeah, you could get real specific. Yeah. Yeah, mine only let me do a percentage and it was a whole percentage too. Right. You couldn't do like 6.5. You had to do a number. I remember like increasing it multiple times throughout the year, trying to, like you said, land that plane just right. Right. And then, I mean, worst case too, you can you can like ratchet up for your last two paychecks if you if you kind of forgot and like dropped the ball or whatever, or mm-hmm. you all of a sudden realize you're doing really well financially and you really do want to. You learned the benefits of maxing out your 401k. You can ratchet up at the end of the year. One important tip, because I know people who would who mess this up at my old company, is be careful if you max it out early. Yep. You're, you might lose, you probably will lose your company match because the company match is only, it's matching your, if they do a 3% match, what's what's a normal company match? I can't even remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, I would say 3 or 4%. Okay. So if they do a 3% match, they're literally, if you put nothing in, then you don't get it. So if you maxed it out November, you know, by December 1st, you might have a paycheck or two where you don't get it. So you want to be, that's why it's so important to figure out the exact math and don't think like, oh, well, I'll just max it out in November and then quit. I remember talking to a guy that I was good friends with who did that at IHG. And he learned the hard way that the company quits matching when you're not putting anything in. And there's no way to go back and redo that other than just learn your lesson and never do. Yeah. And that's one of those things, you know, we talked about how the overall maximum is a federal rule, but how the matching works is company by company. So it makes sense to talk to your employer and understand, is it per paycheck or some of them do like a look back or a top up. So some companies... They just handle it differently. But a lot of companies, to your point, Maggie, you have to contribute. If the match is 3%, you have to contribute 3% out of each paycheck. Yeah. So you don't want to max out too soon because you'll miss out on that. But you also want to make sure that you 
get the most. Anyway, some person at your company would probably be like really happy to sit down and talk to Like if you send an email to your company. The benefits person. Yeah. And say like, I'm trying to max out my 401k and I'm trying to max out getting the match. Like some person would probably be really happy to look at that and be like delighted to nerd out with you. On the flip side, if you can't get a straight answer, the safest way is to even it out across every paycheck because then you can't screw it up. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't mean even it out all year, but make sure you're always contributing at least the company match so you never lose your company's match. We're getting yep. off. We're getting off on uh We can talk year, about 401k. Yeah. We, we, I think we can and have done entire episodes on 401k. So we'll put some link links in the show notes to that. Okay. So in the same vein, the next one is max out your IRA or Roth IRA contribution if you would like to. And, depend- and again, we're not going to get into the benefits of those two types of IRAs. The 2023 limits for putting into your IRA are $6,500 in 2023. So again, like for example, I now don't have a job. I'm trying to reduce my taxable income, even though I, because I have income through deferred compensation and some rental stuff and other things. And I'm still putting into an IRA. So I'm going to put my, I haven't done it yet, but before the end of the year, I will put $6,500 into an IRA. And so will Greg, because I will remind him to live. Why haven't you done it yet? Uh, because I wasn't sure. Well, one, I just like didn't get around to it. But also, I was because this is my first year with the medical, sub, the marketplace subsidy mm-hmm. and with just in general, like I didn't know exactly how much my TCP amount would be because it's depending on how the market is. I didn't know where our rental company would land. I wanted to kind of optimize some mm, things. And so I just, and I and I thought I might do a solo 401k, which I've got since it. learned more about and I'm not for a number of reasons. But I, so I wanted to like, like the solo 401k would have been a better move for me mm. for a few reasons. And so anyways, I just wasn't quite sure what I was going to do yet. But now that okay. I know I'm not going to do that, yeah. yeah. Maxing out your IRA is definitely something you want to do before the end of the year. You There technically is an extension. You can do it at the beginning of next year, but it gets more complicated. You just just do it this year. Yeah, I agree. You you can't every time they talk about like all filing extensions, I'm always like, why? Just just knock knock it out. Get in the habit of doing this stuff like in the calendar year. I think though you can do it later, mm-hmm. I think it can be a lot more clean. And if you want to do a backdoor conversion, that has to be done before the end of the calendar year. So some people, like when I was working for a while, I'm kind of happy I did now, but for a while I did, I would max out my IRA contribution. Then I would do a backdoor conversion to a Roth IRA, which I otherwise was not eligible for. Mm -hmm. And that had to be in the calendar year. So that's, again, one reason why you know, you want to push things into the proper calendar year, even though if you're not doing that conversion, you could do it a little bit next year. Makes sense. Okay. Your favorite topic. I feel like you just smiled when you read it. You le- you were like, hmm. <laughs> so on the topic of maxing out tax advantaged accounts, the last one that we'll talk about is your HSA or health savings account. Maggie and I did a whole episode on HSAs. I've done Liz Gets Loaded posts and episodes about HSAs. HSAs are magic. Someone who I like a lot told me that they're almost legalized money laundering. <laughs> and To be clear, they are fully legalized. The almost goes in front of money laundering, <laughs> not almost legal. I think they meant almost money laundering. Yes. HSAs are magic. We won't go into why HSAs are magic because we have done that before. We we don't have time for that today. But make sure that you're maxing out your HSA. I actually just was doing some end of the year reviewing of our paychecks and I did the math. I was like, wait, we're not on track to max out this HSA. Like what's going on with that? And, and that's actually 
it should have been because there's this, the enrollment tool had an option to say, just max it out for the year and they do the math on it. And for some reason, the math was not mathing. And so it was, it was an email. It was like a manual adjustment and we figured it out. But the maximum contribution for an HSA, oh, pop quiz for a family, I think it's 7,300. And for an individual, it's like 37 something. Maggie's got her Google face on, so I can tell she's looking it up for me. 3,850 for yourself, 7,750 for family. Oh, wow. It really went up. It's going up even more next year. I think it's 8300 for families. And then if you're 55 or older, you could throw an extra 1000 on there, which is kind of the rule. We didn't address that, but on all of the amounts we set on 401k IRA, if you're older, I think believe it's all 55 or older, there's additional mm-hmm. amounts because at that point, they're, they're sort of allowing you to like play catch up as you get closer to retirement. Right, right. Well, if you haven't maxed out your HSA, Definitely do that. And it, you know, falls under the same heading as the 401k. Like look at your actual paychecks. I'm I'm always surprised by how many people don't look at their actual paychecks and just look at the deductions, look at the year-to-date amounts, just double check the math. I, I hope that you don't have an employer where there would ever be an intentional <laughs> mistake or an intentional mm-hmm. shenanigans going on. But payroll is run by human beings. And sometimes human beings make mistakes. Sometimes things get entered incorrectly into software. So just look at your amounts, make sure that you're on track to max out. Okay. Along with uh, HSA, FSAs, or a dependent care flexible spending account, those different than HSAs, in addition to you've already decided how much money you were going to put into it, it's a use it or lose it in the calendar year situation. Mm-hmm. Often you sometimes have a little bit into next year, sometimes yeah. to your submit your receipts. gets to choose, actually. So it's a place where your employer gets a choice to either let you roll over a small amount or do a grace period for the FSAs. I think the dependent care one only has a grace period. Either way, I actually think it's a much better use of your time to our point earlier to just spend the money in the year versus like trying to remember and figure out what the grace yeah. period. Sometimes the grace period is just to submit your receipts. The receipts have to right. be dated for the calendar year. So right. I remember many years before I was doing HSAs when I was doing FSAs because you're usually doing one or the other or you're yeah. always doing one or the other. Yeah. I remember towards the end of the year being like, oh crap, I have $200. Like, what do I need to do? Do I, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to go? I remember going and like buying a fancy first aid kit one year and being like, we don't oh, really right. have a first aid kit in our house and this qualifies and just like stocking up on different medicine and things and right. Um, Band-aid, so just, sunscreen, yeah, all the things. Look at, look at what qualifies and get creative if you need to, but don't let that money get lost, right? Decide that your Christmas gifts for your family this year are going to be some like really fancy <laughs> sunscreen, right? I'm, I'm not even joking. If you have a bunch no, I'm not joking like, either. Yeah. I did that last year, but not to use up FSA money just because I really, I really love the sunscreen that I use. I do too. I started using it after I borrowed yours one time, remember? Right. L to MD. Yeah. I finally yeah. sprung for it. I knew about it, but I was like, I'm never going to pay this much. And then I put it on and I was like, this is nice. I was like, this is nice and life is short. I'm going to spend $40 on some sunscreen. I gave all the women in my family Elta sunscreen for as part of their Christmas gift last year. And I should have saved the receipt for a future FS, or excuse me, future HSA reimbursement. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm, There you go. Maybe you could dig it up somewhere. Anyways, you can check in with your FSA. Like I said, you could, you can talk to your employer and ask like, hey, does any amount roll over? Is there a grace period? Yada, yada, yada. The easiest thing to do is just spend all your money and submit all your receipts by 1231 if you can. Hey, I'll throw out a quick dependent care tip too. So if you realize somehow you like miscalculated on your dependent care or something and you realize that it is you've got a thousand dollars, I don't know what, and you had grandparents or other people that provided daycare to you throughout Mm -hmm. the year, there's still some things you can do around that of like paying your mom that was caring for your children. And I I did that during COVID. It's 100% legal. A lot of people (laughs) got stuck with a bunch of money in a dependent care account. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, my mom's helping an awful lot. 
and we don't pay her and we're going to pay her now. And I'd rather that money, instead of get lost, I'm going to give that money to my mom. And yes, she'll pay taxes on it because it's income, but that is less than her otherwise giving her time to us for free. And so just a little tip on dependent care that you you can get a little creative with family members who may be providing care. You just actually need to pay them. I'm not as familiar with dependent care because, you know, no dependents over here. I do know the one thing about dependent care though that I think is really interesting. The rules are like a lot more flexible than for a you know a healthcare FSA or some other rules. So if your costs change mid-year, like if your kid enrolls in a childcare thing halfway through the year, or the price changes or you change providers, like all of those are kind of events that let you change. Oh, you can change them. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, which is another great tip too of like check the rules because perhaps you can right. adjust them. Even with a couple months left in the year, you could quit contributing. Exactly. Or start contributing if you just – exactly. It's just a little bit more chill. Again, there is like some nerdy person on your benefits team at work who would be just delighted to help you with this. Well, on that note, we can talk about uh, medical benefits. Okay. So it's is it November and December. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten into it yet, but because we may change some things about our plan. Yeah. So a couple things. One, we won't have like, again, this episode is not like how to choose a health plan because that could be another couple hours. One, I'll, I'll, I'll give my like top two tips here. One is just go to the meeting, read the brochure, <laughs> like like just spend a little bit of time. I think this is an area choosing health insurance where a lot of people tend to throw their arms up and they're like, I don't really understand. I'm not good at this. I just do give me the same thing as last year. And spending not that much time to just understand like what a deductible is, how coinsurance works, doing a little bit of math can really set you up long-term for success. The second thing I would say is very often if you are married or partnered and you have the option of going on your health insurance or your partner's health insurance, it's the time of year where people are like, oh no, like my open enrollment is the first two weeks of November and theirs is the second two weeks of November. And like, what do I do? Because I don't have the information yet. Almost always, this is a place where companies get to make a decision, but typically your partner's open enrollment is a qualifying event for the other partner. So if it's it's like not a big deal if they don't overlap because it's you know it makes sense that a lot of them are in November or December and so they come really close to overlapping but that's not always the case there's some companies who do open enrollment in April or May and if you think about it you would have to let the other person's enrollment period be a qualifying event because otherwise those you know the that kind of couple could never get on each other's plan because it would never line up so again talk to your yeah that's a great point i didn't think of that related to that and related to all the things we just talked about with, you know, HSAs, FSAs, choosing your medical benefits, now is a good time to think about any doctor's appointments, especially ones that might be free under your medical coverage that are like use it or lose it once a year. So like I know on mine, I always got an OB appointment once a year, a physical once a year. My kids get one free checkup a year, sometimes it, uh, even like dental visits, things like that. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you've and, and off sometimes they're calendar year, sometimes they're every 12 months, depending on mm-hmm. kind of the timing. But either way, make sure you don't get into a situation where I I mean we've just straight up forgotten to like do kids well checks at times and been a little delayed and (laughs) they're fine you know the kids are fine but they seem okay they seem fine there's been no complaints (laughs) but you know we get a few months off and again like we said this is the most wonderful time of the year this is a good time of year to just like check in on many things about life and these are financial related because they're things that might cost you more money if you do it next year right I've also heard people talk about optimizing around their deductible if you either have already hit your deductible 
available in 2023. So now's a good time to like jam a bunch of things you know you're going to need to do anyways. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to get a colonoscopy and like that ends up hitting your deductible, but you've already hit your deductible, like try to get it in before the end of 2023. Mm Because when you do it in 2024, you've restarted it back to zero. Right. Now, it might be that you actually want to push it into 2024 for a similar reason. So you really optimize to your own situation, but just be thoughtful on medical stuff where you have a little bit of flexibility on the time to try to make sure you take advantage of when you're hitting various deductibles across you and your kids and partners and other things. No, that's a really good point. And it might be the time of year that you have next year's health plan information. So you can even make a more informed decision about whether like premiums are going up or deductibles are going up or anything like that. Going back to the appointments though, I'll tell you where I've been the last couple weeks. I'm totally like, oh, I should get into the eye doctor. I should get into the dentist. Like I should schedule my physical. And at this point, actually, it might even be too late because those doctors obviously get so busy. But I have this idea in my head. I'm like, oh, I just, I'll wait to schedule it because I'm not going to be able to schedule it for the end of the year anyways. And I'm like, no, Liz, just schedule it for January or February and then get on the January or February cycle. Train, yeah. And that way you're not having to worry about it at the end of the year. Like just call now anyways. Yeah. I'd also say I I frequently, I mean, especially now that I'm retired, I will tell when they call and they're like, oh, we're Mm -hmm. booking four months out. I'll be like, hey, I'm like really good for like a last minute cancellation. Do you? And and they're like, yeah, call back once a week and check because we always have them. And I frequently will get in sooner. So don't be afraid to like still try to finagle your way in and be a little more flexible. I love it. Cool. I've been thinking about this next one. So looking at credit card rewards that are once per year. I got to do this one. I suck at this. Same. And I have more than once been in a situation where I think there's some on the Amex Platinum card that are every six months. And I'll go in and like spend the money to get the benefit on December 30th. And then it doesn't actually post to the card until the first. And so I, I really missed it. So it's a good time of year to look and see if you get anything from any of your credit cards, especially if you have kind of the big rewards ones, right? Like Amex Platinum, Chase Sapphire, the Capital One, Venture X, X, whatever it is. I'm a, I'm medium good at credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm even, I don't even think I'd claim I'm medium good. You can go listen to why Greg and I are quitting travel hacking to understand yeah. why I'm not medium good. I, I'm not all the way. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a travel hacker, but I, I, I try to do the the lowest hanging fruit, but go in and see if there are any of those that expire, especially at the end of the year. I think some Amex cards have like an once a month Uber credit. Maybe it's even a little bit higher in December. It's just worth looking at those. Yeah. And then also this isn't necessarily an end of the year thing, but on my list is I need to go back and look at my list and like what cards have annual fees coming up and which ones do I want to keep? Which ones do I yeah. want to cancel? Which ones do I maybe want to call and say, Hey, can you waive this for me? Yeah. So I was maybe going to save this for the end, but I'll say it now. Along the lines of this, if you're listening to this whole episode and, and this list is a little overwhelming and you're like, oh yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. Because I'm thinking the same thing. Like I'm like, I got to put money in my RA. I got to sit down and look at my credit cards. Right now, pa- don't stop us, but just pause us temporarily. <laughs> Go to your calendar, book an hour or two. When you, you might not be able to deal with it today or this week, but like book an hour next week, block it on your calendar with, with yourself, with your spouse or your partner if you need to, and make some time and say like, I'm going to do, you know, end of year financial stuff. And so mm-hmm. at least you have, you'll thank, your future self will thank you and you'll plan some time ahead to do it because I'm going to do that right now. I think that's a good, I, if it were me, if I was listening to this episode, I would go to the show notes and I would take a screenshot and then I would text it to the, you know, whoever you do finances with, husband, partner, mm-hmm sister, but whoever, if like your person and that way you have it on your list. I'm actually sending Greg an invite. He's going to be real. He loves when I send him these like random invites that just say, <laughs> they don't, they don't say much, you know, I should send him like a more fun invite sometime. I'm going to be How like, you make it more fun? I'm just going to like, like write sex or like something fun. Like, oh, uh, 
You're like, let's review our credit card rewards. And also, I will take my shirt off. (laughs) Yeah, look, if you need to entice your partner to do end of year financial planning, sure, take your shirt off. Do what you need to do. But this is important stuff, guys. (laughs) That's a way. I just did an episode about uh, money dates and like reviewing your monthly budget. And I totally did not mention taking your clothes off to make it more fun. Well, in all seriousness, we'll see. Greg doesn't really like read my calendar invites half the time, but I did. I'm sending him an invite for this Tuesday that says end of year financial planning parentheses naked. And just to see if he even reads it. We'll see. Please let me know what he says. I can't wait. He accepts it. Yes. I'll let you know. Hopefully he accepts it before the episode. What if he says maybe? I don't know. What if he's like, yeah, I got I got physical therapy. Can we reschedule? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Another topic. One of your faves. Yes. Another one of my favorite topics is charitable donations. I sound like an asshole, by the way, being like one of your faves. I also (laughs) love charitable donations, by the way. I know. I just fell down a rabbit hole with like the concept of effective altruism and it made me feel really in control with my giving. So, but again, it made you feel in control or out of? In control. Oh, in control. Okay. I was going to say, I feel feel a lot more secure in like what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's good. So it makes me feel good. But if you had a, so if you had an annual goal for charitable giving, like now's the time to check in on that. If you want to make charitable donations because you're trying to reduce your taxable income in 2023, I mean, that could be a strategy, right? So if your income tends to be similar from year to year to year, then it doesn't really make a huge difference the timing of your charitable contributions. But some years, like I've had kind of a weird, complicated like stock situation where all of a sudden on paper, it looked like I got paid a lot more than I usually did. And so in that year, I was trying to open up a donor advice fund, like make more charitable contributions, that kind of thing to lower my taxable income. You also might want to take a look at whether your company does a match. That might also be on an annual basis. So it might be a fixed dollar amount, whether it's $100, $1,000, $10,000, but it might be, you know, 1, 1 through 12, 31. So you'll want to make sure that you're using up all of that if you wanted to before the end of the year. Yeah, cool. I love it. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't have anything. Maggie's like, I don't have a job. I don't have anything to say about employer benefits. What's that? I forget. So if you had a job (laughs) and you have various benefits, like sometimes you get like a free gym membership or just, I don't know, what sort of things do employers give you, Liz? Yeah, maybe like gym reimbursement or parking reimbursement or a a lot of times some companies will give you stipends, reimbursement. Oh, yeah. I used to get $1,000 for like financial planning slash tax, anything in that category. Mm -hmm. And it had to be in the calendar year. So like one year I was like, let's go hire a lawyer to do our estate planning and I could reimburse that, but it had to be in the calendar year. And so that would be a great example. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. Or you might even get a learning budget where you can spend you know, maybe $500 or $1,000 on conferences or books or seminars, that kind of thing. So just take a look. Yeah, good time to kind of go check in. Like we said, go talk to somebody who understands your company's benefits and ask questions. Say like, are there benefits I maybe don't realize I have access to? And just use it as a good time to reacquaint yourself with what's out there. I like how you said someone who's really familiar with your company benefits, because it might be someone whose job it is, or we've all got that coworker Mm -hmm. who's like, just really knows all the stuff. Dialed in. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Find that person. They can often be more helpful than someone in HR if they're just really passionate about it and they've dug deep. I think that's true sometimes. And they might know how to like hack some things, right? Which the company might not tell you directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. (laughs) And then... Yeah. And then let's see, Maggie, are you going to review how much paid time off you've taken this year? Yeah. I mean, shockingly, I don't think I've taken enough. I've, <laughs> I've got to go go find my CFO and ask how I'm doing on that. But for once, I feel good about how much time I've taken off this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another you know related, assuming you're a person who has a job, looking at how much time off you've taken. 
I think for two reasons. One, you might have some time off that expires at the end of the year. It doesn't roll over into next year, however it's structured. But also, I always just set a goal of how much time off I want to take. There was a year I only took two days off, and that was not a good year. So <laughs> I... I, I'm at a company that has flexible paid time off now, so there's not a, a set amount. Is flexible what they call unlimited? They just yeah, like the it, word flexible, not yeah. Yep, right. Because I mean, it's not unlimited, right? You couldn't take 200 days off anymore. But I set a goal that I want to take four weeks off every year. I want to use 20 days of paid time off, and so I like to look at that and make sure that I'm on track for that, just for my own well-being, not yeah. even necessarily based on what's going to expire or what's going to accrue or etc. So, as someone who once did have a very stressful job, couple tips on this that were helpful to me. One, even when I was like super stressed and was like, I don't have time to take off. I've, I've somehow let it get to the end of the year. I still would, and I'm, I'm kind of combining two points here. It's easy to take off time around the holidays at certain companies. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there'll be like dead weeks around Christmas and New Year's and different stuff or Thanksgiving. But I prefer to take, like, I, not, I'm not saying I don't take time, didn't take off time then too. Those are the times where I actually didn't mind working because I could get caught up and it was like really quiet and it was my most productive times at, at work. I prefer to take other days off because then they really feel like a day off. And so I would, when it got to like this point in the year, I would sometimes take off like every single Wednesday or Friday or something like because I had a bunch mm -hmm. of time off accrued that I was going to lose at the end of the year. And so instead of taking off like a whole two weeks in a row, I would take off like a bunch of random days every week. And it was nice because even if I was like, oh, I'm too busy, I can't really afford a day off every week I still would block it and I might work a little bit but it was like on my time and I would kind of like later decide if I was going to log the day based on if I ended up working all day or not right mm -hmm. and so yeah. I, I think you can just like block random days and like have the best intentions of taking the day off but if something changes it depends how flexible I mean I had a very flexible I had a lot of autonomy over like my days off and how I was you know handling them and stuff so depending on how much flexibility you have like you can get creative and don't think that it's you know just don't think that it's too late and you you know have to take them yeah. all off around the holiday holidays that you can just take a bunch of random, you know, mental health days off, do whatever you want, take some half days if you need to. That's a, I think that's a really good idea to just schedule them. And then if you end up not being able to take them, you can change your mind, but you're not, yeah. it's not going to work the other way. You're not yeah. just going to wake up on a random Wednesday and be like, oh, I don't have that many meetings yeah, today. My calendar's like, just take yeah. day off. I would block like a day a week for like months and half of them would get ruined and take like there'd be something important that would kind of trump it. Yeah. But half of them would stick and it worked well and it kind of gave me a little bit of like breathing room and I, I loved it. It really depends on what kind of job you have too. I, I don't know how you felt in your final years, but sometimes it's hard for me to schedule time off because I'm just like, all of this work is going to be waiting when I get back. It's not like someone else works on it when I'm yeah. gone. So it can be tricky as opposed to if you know, earlier in my career, I had the kind of job where it was more like if I wasn't there, someone else was doing it. Yeah, it is a very personal decision. But I would encourage people, I think we would both encourage people to like take yeah. off the time you're allowed to take off. And right. again, in the spirit of like end of year planning, now's a good time to get a little bit thoughtful and intentional about how you spend the next couple. And into January, like, you know, again, book ahead into 2024. Even next year, I, I, especially when I was younger, I feel like I, I kind of had my year dialed in. I was like, okay, I need three days for Thanksgiving three days for Christmas. I have this wedding. I want to go on this trip. Okay. Like what else yeah. can I go ahead and schedule now? Yeah. Very true. Anyways, paid time off for those of us who have not retired yet. <laughs> it's, this is like random, but perhaps related, but I was hanging out with a bunch of friends last night and one of the guys I was with, we were talking about concerts. Do you remember oh. Deanna Carter? Dina Anna Carter? Is she a country singer? Yeah. But when I, and I was not into country, but like she was really popular in the nineties. 
Like what was the song that you had? How do I get there from here? From here, strawberry yeah. wine. Oh, I was gonna say was I was another gonna one. Say that was probably strawberry more wine. Yeah, seventeen. Oh my gosh, I July. love July. It was like July. Yeah. Anyway, she's coming to Atlanta in like oh. a couple weeks. I think I'm gonna go with some people. That was another point. Um, this guy, but so someone was talking about that concert, and a bunch of us were like, "Oh, we're gonna go." It totally reminds me of high school. But <laughs> th- this other guy was like, "Oh, Green Day is coming," and I was like, "Oh, I love Green Day." Green Day puts on a great concert. Yeah, actually. I bet. I haven't been to one in I don't know I've definitely seen them live but it was like at a musical mm. not like just them I think they're coming with Smashing Pumpkins and I was like that's great oh fine but the, the guy was like it's August and I was like like August 2024 and I was like I, I can't I can't commit right now like <laughs> and he was like it's like the end of August your kids are in school it's on a week what are you gonna be doing and I was like okay you're right actually I'll, I'll be here I'll be here he's like you can't go anywhere it gets like the second week of school like you'll be here and I was like okay you're right going to Green Day August 2024 I feel like the throwback concert is such a thing right now I feel like I was looking at lineups all summer and it was like bare naked ladies and I think I like it better than the modern people like uh, modern people you know what I mean like like I actually I mean I'm not saying I wouldn't go to a Taylor Swift concert if someone like threw tickets in my lap yeah but I think I'd rather go to a Green Day concert. It's just – it's the nostalgia thing. Yeah, I would – I mean, Green Day, Tina Carter. Th- there's also all the rumors about NSYNC doing – Oh, yeah, coming back. Touring yeah. again. 98 Degrees is touring. Snoop Dogg was just here. Snoop Dogg and Warren G were just here. Oh and gosh, like I'm a bunch of friends went. And I, I didn't know about it till afterwards. And I was like – I had major FOMO. I bet. Yeah, the throwback concert. And this particular like Deanna Carter is like at a really good – like a really small intimate venue, which makes me um, want to go even more. Yeah. Green Day is like a – it's like a base at our baseball stadium. Is that stadium? Is that what you say? Baseball field? Whatever. Baseball place. Yeah. I think a stadium. I Where they play right. baseball. Okay. Right. Back on track. Anyways, now it's time we to segue. Start now it's time your- to plan your concerts for 2020. That, yeah, we should do that on the list. Get your um, tickets early, guys. This is a good – this is an important one and maybe less sexy to a lot of people, but like taxes prep. So mm-hmm. doing your – like next April when you – especially if you have – well, I'm saying, sorry. Taxes? No, actually, we do our taxes like as soon as we're, as soon as we start getting yeah. paperwork. We, we like to do them early. But I'm just saying, a lot of people wait till April. So, yeah. For everyone that does wait till April, it's a pain in the butt during like a week or two to have to jam every, of like going back and looking at 2023, which seems so far away at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's a nice time to like start organizing your receipts. If you have like, we have a rental property business, we're doing things throughout the year, but like it's a good time to kind of make sure if we have any missing receipts, it's a lot easier to find them now than it is like four or five months from now. Look at where you are. Like, like for us as early retirees, we're looking closely at where we are with like income and expenses, deciding if we're going to like, like I talked about earlier, do an IRA contribution, if we are going to do a solo 401k, that kind of stuff. And it's our first full calendar year being early retired. So we're we're in particular doing some kind of tax optimization and planning. You can go look up different tax calculators to kind of see where you're on track to see if you might owe or if you might get a refund and do a little bit of budgeting and prep for that. I've never done that in fairness, but it what? seems like a good thing to do. I never oh, did it because I always owed money and I just didn't really, I was like, I don't want to. I am evangelical about this because there's there's a hot debate out in the world of whether it's better to get a refund or it's better to owe. And yeah. I think both of those are fun. Like whatever whatever side you fall on that, it's totally fine. It depends, I think. But you're right. It's a personal thing. But my big thing is that like I think it's important to do it intentionally. If you know that you're getting a big refund or you know that you're going to owe and you're fine with that, then like 
great. Make that choice. What what baffles me is folks who just wait and they get to March or April of next year and they type all their thing into TurboTax and it's like pulling the lever on a slot <laughs> machine. Complete and like, surprise. You, just, you have yeah. no idea. Like, yeah. am I going to owe? Am I going to get money back? Is it going to be $50? Is it going to be $500? $5,000? So there are two calculators. We can link to them, but they're really easy to find. So the IRS tax calculator, just Google IRS tax calculator, lets you put in a bunch of information, right? Like here's how much money I made this year. It'll ask you like pull out your last paycheck and put in how much has been withheld this year so far. Is it the tax withholding calculator? Yep. Because, okay, yeah. Okay. Because I was like, because it, it didn't come up. Okay. Got it. We'll put oh, a link. Yeah, in the show it is called the tax okay. withholding calculator. Oh yeah. And it has like a little thing and it, it gives you a little like what you need. Okay. That's nice. Right. And so it walks you through. And then at the end, it'll say like, okay, we think you're on track to get a refund of about $2,700 or whatever it is. And then you can make adjustments accordingly. If you're a person who doesn't want to get a big refund, you can go back to your employer and have less taken out of every paycheck, et cetera. The other one I like to look at though is the smart asset tax calculator. And it kind of gives you more of like an annual view. So you can just put in like your total income for the year if you're contributing to your 401k, et cetera, et cetera. And then it'll say like, okay, we think that this year you're going to your total tax burden is going to be like 20,000 in federal, like 5,000 in state, whatever it is. And then you can go look at your paychecks and do a little math and see if like you're on track to be around that or not. And again, like if you like getting a big refund, don't like getting a big refund, whatever. Look, I get you. A lot of people don't even, they may not have the money. So they need to like, especially going into like holiday shopping, like you should have an idea of like, if you're going to owe $3,000 come April, like you should be mentally and physically prepared, financially prepared for that. Right. And so, yeah, I get your point on like, it shouldn't be a complete surprise. I kind of always knew the ballpark of what I owed after a number of years. Yeah. So I didn't really want to know whether it was like, you know, this tens of thousands or that tens of thousands. I just knew it was in that range. Yeah. And I knew I had it from my bonus. But but if you don't like got it. Yeah. You know yourself if you don't. Yeah. Like it it is weird to like just be a complete surprise of like, I don't know, I could get back 3000 or I could owe 3000. Like that's a big swing. There are very few other places in my life where I would accept that kind of uncertainty. Be like, I don't know what my mortgage payment is going to be next month. They just tell me every month that it's a surprise. Like, I don't know what my paycheck is going to be. They just... That's a great point. But I I bet it'd be interesting to like ask this on Instagram. I bet a lot of people don't... I, my, I could be totally wrong. I have a feeling more people have been taking the Maggie approach than the I Liz think, approach. I think that's true. But you're right. The think- logic follows the Liz approach. I I talk about this online from time to time. I talk about this to people I know IRL in real life from time to time. And I feel like the faces are always like shocked. Like, wait, you can just find out ahead of time like what it's going to be. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. It's, I, it's math. You can do the maths and find out. Yeah. I actually need to do that, I think. It's yeah. I need to do it. I like to do it a couple times a year, but I definitely like to do it this time of year because it gives you an opportunity to change things on your paycheck if you want things to be different. If you would rather get a bigger refund, you could increase the amount that's being withheld on each paycheck. If you wanted to go the other way, you can do the opposite. And I think you know my guidance on like it is such a personal decision on what you want, but some of it is know yourself and know your discipline. And if you're very yeah. like I was super disciplined and I could afford the surprise payment I owed. If you know you're not super disciplined, like let the government save that for you each month, right? And and end up yeah. so I mean I think you just have to make a personal decision on what, what makes the most sense for you. I consider myself fairly financially disciplined, but I still like getting a big refund because I just think yeah it's fun. 
and you can use it. I was more of the like, I don't want to loan the government money, but I also was like, it's not usually it's not that much money you're loaning. Yeah. Them, so it's usually not that much money, and you're usually getting it back like a couple months. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also you're more likely to do something impactful with it, right? Like, I know that if I get a big refund, I might just be like, oh, okay, that's half my IRA for the year or whatever it is, and I'll just do that now. Whereas an extra $500 in my paycheck each month is just going to get frittered away. The other taxes reminder is if you're doing any tax loss harvesting, if you're like more advanced, you know, remember to like uh, look into that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to explain what that is here. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. You don't need to. If you want to know what that is, go Google it and learn more about it. Yeah. I would add to it. If you do think you're going to have a higher income year this year, tax loss harvesting is one thing to look at. Um, in the past, I have prepaid my property taxes. I've also, sometimes you can prepay a month of your mortgage and get that one month of mortgage interest to count as this year versus next year. So there's a couple of things you can do on that front. Okay. So a few other like final reminders that are before we get into closing this up, not necessarily financial, but sort of because they're preventative of causing you bigger financial issues, perhaps. And it's just a nice time of year. Like like Liz said, it's the most wonderful time of year to check your smoke <laughs> and carbon dioxide detector batteries. Mm. You might need to replace them. They, they make new ones now that have like lifetime batteries in them and stuff. And they're not super expensive. We, we I know we've bought those for like all our rental properties yet. Somehow I don't have the like nicer ones in our house. Um, but like, you know, just kind of get on top of some like safety stuff around your house. Get a yeah. flu shot, COVID booster if you need to. Just, you mm-hmm. know, think about like, think about like upcoming life changes. Like, are you getting married next year? Are you going to have a baby? Are you planning a breakup? Like, do you, you know, I don't know. Like, but, but seriously, just kind of think about stuff coming up a tied to a lot of the stuff we already talked about about kind of being as strategic as you can about decisions based on what is or isn't happening in your life right now yeah i agree with all that i think isn't it kind of a common thing to check your smoke detectors when the time changes i have never heard that i thought it was a common thing to check it when that incessant beeping happens at like 2 (laughs) a.m then i'm like hitting greg and i'm like you're in charge we have like divisions of labor in this household and you are definitely in charge of the smoke detector i I that feels I like, like a good rabbit hole. But did I ever tell you about how all my smoke detectors started going off when I was the only person at home and the ladder was too heavy and I was like dragging my dining room table over? <laughs> oh, it was the worst. So now I try to check them ahead of time so I don't end up in that situation. Well, I yeah, was, check them this year and check them when you're so not texting. home by yourself so that you can delegate it to someone else. Exactly. I was like texting a friend like, I'm about to stand on a couple of cookbooks that I've stacked on top of my dining room table. So if I don't text you back in 10 minutes, like, please call 911. Someday I hope to be the friend you text to say, te- call the police if I don't call you. <laughs> next time. Don't actually don't put me on I that because I'm the one who will like walk off and like put my phone down for a minute and then like forget that that <laughs> happened and then be like, oh, crap. I hope Liz is okay. Oh, no. I'm off the list. Okay. You're okay. Off the list. I, don't, I haven't checked mine. So don't put me on that list. <laughs> you're a good friend for other things, but maybe not for that. I'm good. For, I'm reliable for other yeah. things. Okay. So wrap wrap us up. Bring us home. What's the biggest like final thing you should do? Well, okay. This is the time of year I get really excited because you get to start planning your next year's budget. So you get to start mapping out what you think your spending is going to look like in 2024 or whatever the next year is. You're investing, your savings goals. Like You kind of get to come to a clean slate. I do that every year and then life happens, right? And you're like, oh, I didn't expect that car repair or that vet bill or that whatever. And your spreadsheet gets kind of messy. And it's just, it's a perfect time of year to start fresh. Oh, as a quick side note, 
I know that it's all in the news that Mint is shutting down. And so if you were using Mint and you need to switch to another system, or even if you just think you might want to use another system, now's the time to maybe try it for a month so that you've clean, got like a yeah. full That's what we're doing. Like Gre- Greg and I are like deep in the testing a bunch of tools. We're going to do an episode on it in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. But we're testing like Monarch, yeah. Tiller, Copilot. I think we knocked Copilot out because it doesn't do tagging. I wouldn't use Copilot. Uh, we already knocked out every dollar because I had no idea it was associated with Dave Ramsey. Boy, the internet told me that. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it. Like a lot of people reminded me. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. No, what, you were, no Sorry, but you were not alone, people. by the way. Uh, many people reminded me of that. I think I had heard it before and just totally forgot. Uh, and then YNAB, which I don't know why I'm like so sleeping on YNAB. Like it's the last one we're going to test. I think it's just that like, you remember your your thing you talk about on like, I'm not like the other girls? I think I have that with budgeting tool. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Everybody loves YNAB. I'm like, I don't know. You're like, I'm not like I'm the not other like the other budgeters. Budgeters. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to use YNAB. I'm yeah. so quirky and I different. I need Tiller. I'm, I'm it's spreadsheet-based. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do think at the very highest level, I actually think that you are on the right track and that you're using the software less to control your spending, which yeah. is what YNAB is really good for. And so you don't need that. I use it similarly. I really – the thing I use it for the most is just tracking spending. It's not what it's designed for. That's yeah. like not what's in I, your I face. think that's what's in my head you kind of like that I know that's not what it was designed for. And this is kind of silly, yeah. but like I'm a marketing branding person. Like the fact that it's named you need a budget is great if you need a budget. Oh. But that's just not – like I'm very bi- – and I'm not yeah. knocking that. Like there's times in my life when I have needed a budget. Yeah. Many people do need a budget. I'm like very focused on the sophistication and ease of what what is incredibly complex expense tracking. Like somebody was texting me and was like, mm-hmm. oh, just do it in a manual spreadsheet. And I'm like, okay, look, dude, I don't even feel like I need to explain this no. to you. But if you knew the complexity of transactions coming in and out of our household related to our exes, our kids, splitting things with exes, kid, sending money to kids, we're constantly, the amount of transfers. Mm-hmm. And then also like I do all this volunteer stuff. My Venmo transactions oh, are insane. Yeah, like yeah. the amount of reimbursements happening from like seven different volunteer roles. Like it's ridiculous. I will not track it manually. And I've now broken down to like, I'm going to pay for, I'm willing to pay for a tool. Like I, I loved a free tool with Mint, but I'm I'm totally resigned to like, I'll pay a hundred bucks a year for a tool. It's worth it to me. Anyways, this is a preview for us digging deeper yeah, into episode. it. Yeah. I, the thing about YNAB is that, again, they don't push that functionality into your face. That's like not what they're marketing it on, but it can do all of that. My, like, I, I mean, I could, t- I could talk a lot about YNAB. I, I did a whole episode about it, but like, Really what it comes down to is what I actually want that software to do, the most important thing, is for it to sync transactions automatically from all of my different credit cards, bank accounts, and yeah. to have a really easy way to like categorize them, realize when things have been miscategorized, add things that didn't get grabbed, and nothing else does yeah. it as elegantly. So like the yeah. rest of having to like click over into reports when I wish that was the first thing I saw every time I go in, I'm like, that's fine because of the way it manages the yeah. same transactions. But I also, I think you are the same. Like I use a software tool that syncs transactions automatically, but then I also put everything into a spreadsheet. And this is the time of year that you get to like reset that spreadsheet and have it look really pretty and like make your predictions for next year. And so I do that. And then I also, at the very highest level, what I try to do for predicting for next year, and I find this very fun, is it's kind of two steps. One, I try to predict my income and I do it on like a very conservative way, right? I'm like, okay, let's assume I get paid zero bonus. Let's assume no raises, just like kind of on a conservative level, like no tax refund, no 
whatever, no credit card cash back. And then for expenses, I like to make a list of everything and then put a range. So like, okay, groceries might be anywhere from like $500 a month to $1,000 a month. So that's going to put it anywhere from six to $12,000 and just getting all that on a piece of paper and kind of predicting what's going to happen in 2024. Okay. Here's the tax advantage accounts, maximum contributions. Like what's that going to be? What's taxes about going to be? And just sort of like not actually whiteboarding it all out because I do it in a spreadsheet, but getting like the first pass at what I think the next year is going to look like. It's so fun. Yeah. And I I mean, you just recently did an episode on money dates. Yeah. And like, I know Greg and I did an episode about just talking about discussing money with your partner. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great time. I mean, you should do this stuff throughout the year, but it's a good time of year to start if you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And to just have a reset. Like think about all the conversations you have at your job. You know, you have a holiday party, you have end of year, you know, reviews and and yep. you're setting goals for next year. And we're often overlooking that in our own personal lives. So it's a good time to say like, let's take a little bit more of a structured approach and like, let me set a money date with my partner and let's do it. Like you could tie it around a little bit of a end of year celebration too, of like, let's mm-hmm. celebrate our wins. And like, if we've done really well, let's go, you know, have a nice holiday dinner out and reflect upon what we've done this year and the progress we've made. Yeah. You know, you can kind of make it a little more special tied to this being the most wonderful time. Of- I love that. Or if you are the person who manages everything, you can just present all that information. To exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, what you totally could. House, like, yeah. guess what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You sit them down and you, you know, like have a, yeah. Be like, show up here. You send an invite and you're like uh, some sort of financial naked review. Just exactly. show up here and... Okay. What else? Do we have anything else? So Yeah. And while you're sitting down and thinking about the next year, you it also makes sense to look at what those maximum contributions are for all the tax advantage accounts. So the most you can put in your 401k, the most you can put into your IRA and your HSA, they usually go up every year. They've actually gone up more than average the last few years because some of these are tied to cost of living or inflation, right? I think so. And so in 2024, 401k goes from 22.5 up to 23,000. IRAs. IRA goes from 6,500 to 7,000. Amazing. Roth IRA goes from 6,500 to 700. 7,000. 7,000. Yeah. That's, you know, 700, 7,000. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Same thing. And then HSAs. For individuals going from 3850 to 4150 and then for family 7750 to 8300 and then of course the catch up contributions um on all of those so if you're 55 or older you get a little bit of extra usually on most of those accounts but I actually I did a whole episode about like okay I have mixed feelings about contribution limits going up have you ever felt this way like on the one hand it's exciting because it's great that the government is saying, hey, we're going to give you more of an opportunity to do tax Mm -hmm. advantage saving. But because I spend so much time in the personal finance community, like maxing out those accounts feels like just a baseline. Like that feels like, oh, I kind of have to do that. And so the higher they go, it's like it's like an obligation. Oh, it's funny when you said you have mixed feelings. I was like, I have mixed feelings about a lot of things. I've never thought that I have mixed <laughs> feelings about contribution limits. I have sort of innocuous feelings of like, oh, it is what it is. I just sort of – but in a way, on the flip side, I like it for that reason because it sort of forces like an increase. Just yeah. like you get – you know, if d- depending on the type of job you have, you kind of get a semi-standard increase every year barring various factors. You It just sort of forces you to like kind of keep up in the game a little bit every year. Yeah, that makes sense. I almost feel like mentally I don't give myself credit for doing that because 
I feel like I've already decided I have to. Like that's kind of the minimum yeah. that I'm going to do. You didn't make the decision. Someone else made it for you. Yeah. And then some years it's so high that I don't end up contributing. I don't end up investing much outside of that. And so I kind of feel, again, in this weird corner of the internet, I'm like, oh, I'm like not doing that well, even though I was I was just doing the math for next year very candidly. And I was just like, okay, if we max out our accounts, if, you know, if this is our match from our employers, one of us has access to a, like the mega backdoor Roth IRA. So like that's another thing. It was over $100,000. Like it ended up being well yeah. over 100K just for that. And I was like, man, you got a rough life. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I know, I'm totally kidding. Cause I know, I know you are very aware of your, of our, actually your, our privilege. And, but yes, it's a lot. It's a lucky place to be to be able to do that. But it's like, again, mentally, I kind of feel like I've already just decided that I have to do that no matter what. And so I would feel like, like, okay, let's say all the tax advantage accounts only added up to like 50K. And then I did another 50K on top of that. I'd be like, whoa, like, because you chose, yeah. You're, I get you mean like psychologically, it's like what you chose versus what was sort of. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I'm, I'm not like thought that hard about it. I'm just sort of like, oh, well, another year. I put my money in my IRA. Yeah. Which yeah, is not a bad way to think about it because you're just sort of it's it's a, those are the good things to be not thinking about right yeah. and to just kind of yeah. get in the habit of doing. Okay, well, I hope this episode was helpful to people. We hope a, a little end of year planning nudge and end of year reminders nudge was helpful to all of you. If nothing else, it was helpful for me. <laughs> I thought it was helpful. Like I said, I scheduled my naked date with Greg next week, and <laughs> I got to put some money in that IRA. And something else, uh, travel or something. I don't know. I'm going to go back through the checklist Oh, our myself. credit card things. Credit cards. Can we be accountability buddies we on can. the credit card stuff? Accountability buddies. That's a new term. Accountability buddy. I don't Did know. Did you just make that up? But I love it. Accountability buddies. I think I saw it somewhere and I don't I know love how to it. say it. Never heard it and I love it. Yes, we can. And we will also put like go to the show notes for this episode because I'll try to do like a really clean list of these as kind of a checklist. So go to the show notes and then link over to the website and you can get a copy of that. We'll bring this home though. Liz, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Liz Gets Loaded. And I have a podcast that is also very creatively called Liz Gets Loaded. Liz Gets Loaded. <laughs> Also, for anyone who's like, gosh, you guys just talked for an hour about this. Your podcasts are like 10 to 20 minutes long. I really love – there's a couple <laughs> podcasts I listen to that are like short bites each week and I like them. I do try to keep it pretty short. Well, it's only me talking, so I just don't think that anyone wants to hear one voice for longer than 10 or 20 minutes. And if you listen to podcasts at one and a half or 2x like I do, it's even shorter. Yeah, you can get through that puppy in like 7 to 12 minutes. And – uh, remember that one time I like guest did an episode for you when yeah. you were like busy one week, but that was like third. I couldn't even. I was like, oh, how hard I like. I was like, surely I can get this down to. 50. I was like a thirty minute episode. It was it was hard for me to. It was such a good episode though, and people really liked it, and it got a lot of downloads. And oh, that's good to know. I thought it was great. But it's it's a little different. I feel like this podcast is a little more like helpful information. <laughs> Yours are like financial musings. I think they're helpful because it's people more, like, yeah, it's more like a it's almost like a personal diary. It's just like here's what's going on with my money. Here's what I'm thinking yeah. about. Here's what I'm having feelings about. So I think it's helpful. I like it. So I like go it check too. it out. Okay, thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate you spending some time with us. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We always love it. We should put this on your end of year financial list is like mm. go leave a written review on apple podcasts as a little holiday gift for liz and maggie tell us right. what you like it also really helps other people find the podcast so we yeah. always appreciate it if you're looking for um a, an extremely frugal holiday gift you could just send someone a link to this podcast and exactly what if you know what actually what if you okay 
You know how people used to make mixtapes? Yeah. What if as a holiday gift, you were like, here are five podcast episodes from like maybe one podcast or from different ones that I just like made me think of you and I thought that you would really like. That would be such a nice gift. I feel like that might be an episode for our final episode of the year with the Inside Out Money family. It's like some of our favorites or something. Because mm-hmm. I, I like like a curated list of things. Mm-hmm. You, I kind of had something I wanted to do with all of us and you're, you're giving me some, uh, you're giving me some ideas. I hope we're doing another spending recap, I guess, in January. Yeah, we won't be able to do it till January. We did the six-month one, and I have been looking at how things have been shaping up. Yeah, it's one of our most popular episodes also. People love hearing how you spent the most money, Liz. <laughs> but my second you have the, the, the fewest year... number of people in your household yet spent the most money. <laughs> my second half of the year is has been less spendy than the first half. So I want to come back and see how it compared to everyone else. Yeah, I love it. And part of that, it will we'll put our official RIP to Mint because that'll be like our last year using Mint for this, at least for Greg and I. And Andrew. Andrew's a big Mint user and he has been for like decades. And I'm very curious to hear where Andrew lands on this. It's only existed for 15 years, but I'm with Andrew. I- Decade and a half. <laughs> I think <laughs> it, it came out in 2007. I started using it in 2008. I switched off of it only like in the last year or Recently, two. Recently, yeah. And I'm You're happy like that ahead I of the curve. Because, yeah. Well, it stopped syncing with a bunch of my accounts. That's like why I had to go. It constantly them. requires resyncing. I'm actually excited. I, I think I, this is a good time for me to move to a paid tool because I we, we kind of get mad at Mint like once a week because it is a little, it's not well managed because it's a free product and it's a little bit like been miss, you know, it just doesn't have a lot of time and attention on it from the Intuit family. So I kind of right. get it. They clearly abandoned it. What is there yeah. a term for that? Abandonware or something? Uh, there, well, there's something too on like where you don't really continue to like update it, but it's still, right. yeah, we used to use that term where we were like, oh, we were, well, we would call it sunsetting. We were like sunsetting a product, but we, it, yeah. that's more when it actually goes away. When you actually, exactly. No, it never, they just clearly weren't reporting it. And I, that's like I, accountability. Buddies, so like <laughs> I didn't mind going in and having to update the account. Like even if I had to do it every day and put in my password, whatever. But it just got to a point where like it wouldn't. Even when I went in, like my main bank account, it was like, sorry, we just don't. Yeah. We don't. We don't know her. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyways, you can you can also subscribe <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have thoughts or questions, we'd love to hear from you. And you can leave a voicemail or text us at four zero four. 981-3370 or find us on Instagram at Inside Out Money. Or Liz gets loaded. You can sometimes we get joint messages both of us. So I know. Sometimes a- sometimes I'll I'll be like, oh my gosh, I got this nice message and I'll DM it to Maggie and then she's like, I got it too. And well I'll I'll see you reply. I don't notice that it that it has another person in it and I'll reply. Thank God I didn't say anything about you. Oh. And then, I mean not that I would. But then I'll re- then I'll see you reply and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa Liz is here? Oh like when like, it's on the team. Oh yeah, but sometimes people message us separately and and sometimes it's together. People will separately, yeah. So feel free to group message us, which you can do. And, and I, there's a particular person who does sometimes, and I never notice it. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're weighing in, and I'm like, oh, hey, I didn't realize you were here too. Good to I see you. I know. That always makes – I actually – I love that change. Yeah, I like it too. I don't need – I'm like, you don't need to uh, – I don't need to fill you in on it. Like, we're all here. I like it. And like, I don't even think I knew I could send a group message on Instagram. So uh, very exciting. You learn okay. something new every day. I know. Yeah. Well, well, thank you guys. And thanks, Liz. It was good to see you. And I always enjoy these chats. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Good to see you. I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.